Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Bossed Up the Podcast. Now, a few weeks back, I saw that Lean In had just started a new campaign called hashtag MentorHer. MentorHer is focused on solving this new problem in the era of Me Too, which is that men now seem kind of afraid of mentoring women. Male managers are reporting feeling afraid of spending quality one-on-one time alone with women in the office for fear of being accused of sexual harassment. And listen, in the era of Me Too, I completely understand why some men might be feeling nervous about their behaviors or actions being mistaken as sexual advances. Frankly, it's the same exact feeling that women have been dealing with when seeking out mentorship or career advice from men in their lives and in their offices. I distinctly remember how much I valued the sage advice from my college advisor, who I kept in touch with years after college because he happened to move to D.C. to pursue a career in a major global think tank as I moved to D.C. to pursue my early career in politics. He continued to take me out to dinner to provide tons of career advice, and he was even generous in terms of picking up the check because it was pretty clear that I was a financially strong struggling young professional at the time. And every single time I met up with this very kind, very generous, full of advice kind of guy, there was a part of me that was totally waiting for the other shoe to drop, completely freaked out that it was going to hit on me at some point. And I, I cautiously continued to maintain that relationship which I can happily report to this day is completely collegial and respectful and you know, basically, he's never pulled a fast one. It shouldn't be such an extraordinary <laughs> and exceptional story. But compared to a lot of other relationships that I've had with men on a career advice level, it is kind of extraordinary. I remember going out to dinner with an advisor on one of the first congressional campaigns that I worked for. After the primary was over, he offered to take me out to dinner to talk about my career options. And I think it was about halfway through my first glass of wine when he made it very clear that he had just bought a bottle of wine for us that cost hundreds of dollars and made it kind of obvious that he wanted to show me how much money he'd just spent on that bottle of wine when I would be happy drinking an $8 bottle of whatever. I think it was that point in the dinner when I thought, oh no, I'm on a date that this is a person who is, at this point, twice my age, who thought he could lure me in with an invitation to talk about my career and is totally going to not keep this professional. And I predicted correctly because it all went downhill later on that evening when I 
found myself in a really sticky situation in his car trying to extricate myself from that date that turned really ugly. And listen, I'm not going to go into my own series of hashtag me too stories because I feel honestly like we've all been there at one point or another. And frankly, as I was reflecting on these two completely different experiences with male mentors, although I wouldn't really call that second guy a mentor of mine, I asked a lot of my followers on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Emily Aries, where I'm constantly asking questions about your career and posting maybe one too many selfies with my furry dog, Teddy. But I digress. A few weeks back, I asked y'all on Instagram, you know, how do you feel about women seeking male mentorship or men mentoring women? And the opinions that came in were really strong and really diverse. I had folks write in to me saying, listen, I can't find a woman mentor if I tried. All the men in my office, all the senior people in my office who are really in a position to mentor me are men. I work in a STEM field and I can't find a good woman mentor who can return my emails because she's probably in such high demand. I also had some folks write in saying, listen, I prefer a woman mentor. The men in my office just don't get it. The men in my career trajectory don't seem to understand my experience as a young woman in the field. And I had some folks respond with a really strong opinion in the opposite direction, saying, I strongly prefer men as mentors. The women in my field seem to be super competitive with one another and not willing to lift as we climb. So wherever you stand on the issue of men mentoring women, it seems like everyone had something to say about this topic. So today we're diving into a great career conundrum that came in from Rachel in D.C. all about male mentorship. And after this quick break and a word from our sponsor, we'll dive into today's listener-submitted career conundrum. Today's episode is sponsored by Crude, the plant-based oil cleansing products that have helped thousands of people, myself included, feel confident in their own clear skin. I spoke to Crude's founder, master esthetician, Denise Cartwright, about what inspired her line of suds-free cleansers. I started experimenting with oil cleansing six years into my career as a master esthetician. And I started giving my oil blends to my clients. And within six months, I had helped more people heal their acne than I had in six years using all of the most cutting edge facial treatments. I want women to feel empowered in the wisdom of their own bodies. And I want them to feel free of the pressure to buy into these 15 step skincare regimens. So Crude takes a leave no trace approach to skincare. We cleanse and moisturize the skin without disrupting its delicate ecosystems. If you want to support Denise and join me in ditching the suds, get 20% off any crude product right now by heading to livecrude.com and entering code BOSSEDUP at checkout. Thank you for supporting the female-driven companies that support this podcast. And we are back for today's podcast. I invited a former colleague and longtime friend of mine, Jason Waski, who knows a thing or two about mentorship and is constantly helping young women on the rise, which I know because he's also constantly sending them my way at Bossed Up, to break down a great career conundrum that came in from Rachel in D.C. Hi, my name is Rachel, and I'm calling in from Washington, D.C., 
I know that mentorship is very important no matter if you are self-employed or if you um, work in uh, the corporate world. And I've kind of been wondering, would it make sense at any point for a woman to want to consider finding a male mentor? How would we even go about finding one? Um, How do we ask for mentorship in a way that is making it clear that that's all we want um, is mentorship, nothing else? I'm just really curious to know about the topic of male mentorship. Rachel, that is such an important question, and it could not be more of an important time for us to be discussing the concept of men mentoring women and how important I think that is. And for today's conversation, I wanted to bring in someone who I respect a ton, who I've known for a very long time, really since my first ever real job out of college, who knows a thing or two about being a good mentor to women, and that is Jason Wosky. He is the president of Civic Nation, a 501c3 organization that really engages and organizes and creates public awareness to address some of our nation's biggest initiatives, many of which came out of the Obama White House, including the amazing initiative that is the United State of Women, one of the most incredible ways in which A lot of us are organizing to help galvanize women's voices on the political and local levels across the country that Bostop has had the pleasure of collaborating with for quite some time now. Jason, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. So initial thoughts. You know, Rachel asks a whole bunch of great questions in there. Why do you think it's important in today's day and age for men to be mentoring women? Well, first I'll say I just think mentorship itself is really important. And I think it is something we don't focus off enough on in corporate culture, nonprofit culture, and I'm really glad you're addressing it. Careers are complex. It is hard to figure out how to navigate all of this. And having someone or someone who can, like, you can bounce things off of is just, you know, incredibly helpful. So I, I think mentorship in general, big fan. In terms of this idea of, like, men mentoring women, I think it's crucial, too. I think that it's not something we should be afraid of. I think it is probably more important now than ever, as you alluded to. Uh, I think, first and foremost, just because there are a lot of men out there who have good advice to give. And so you should not eliminate, you know, a big swath of potential mentors just because of gender. Um, Second, I think that until we fix all of the gender inequities in the workplace, there are just inherently going to be a lot of men in positions of power and influence. And uh, we've got to fix those inequities. But at the same time, Use those men as potential mentors to help build your career. Totally. As men, too, I think as as allies, it's incumbent on us to help bridge that divide as well and empower women in the workplace. Mentoring is a good way to do that. Breaking down some of the traditional boys clubs is another way. And I think mentorship falls into that sometimes. I know a lot of men who are watching these headlines around the whole hashtag Me Too movement with horror and disgust and saying, oh, my goodness, what can I do? And I think the most important message is don't retreat. Don't hide. And unfortunately, that's not always coming through. In a recent survey that was just released last month by Lean In and SurveyMonkey, they found that nearly half of male managers report being uncomfortable mentoring women, socializing with women, or working alone with women. And you know what? I get it, right? I totally get it. We are living in an era of reckoning when it comes to sexual assault in the workplace. How do we manage that fear in a productive way so that both women who are seeking mentors who happen to be men and men who want to help prevent 
gender discrimination and harassment at work. Like, how do we navigate that? And I'm curious, from your perspective of mentoring women, how do you go about navigating those waters in a safe and productive way? It's a good question. So I think crossing this male-female dynamic can help expose you to different types of advice. And I think that helping everyone understand that it's good to have a diversity of advice coming into you to help make your own decisions is really important. And so when you seek out someone from a different gender, with a different ethnicity, different background, like you make better informed decisions. It's kind of like how it works on boards of directors, right? Diverse boards of directors make better decisions for companies. Your own personal board of advisors can help you make better decisions for your career. Right. But I think there's also this inherent sense of safety in the known, right? We women got to stick together sometimes. And especially when you're a woman in a majority male environment, a lot of the women who I was talking with on Instagram who are in STEM fields, who are in finance, say, I wish I could find a woman mentor. You know, the one woman who is a senior partner at my firm is the one person I really go to for mentorship. How do we break out of those habits and why is it important? I think to break out of it, it takes both sides, the mentor and the mentee. So as a mentor, I should be giving the same kind of advice I'm giving to young men to young women. A good example, there's a young woman who I've known for years, have helped her kind of figure out where she's going. She recently came to me about a job that she loved the idea of, but said, I wasn't qualified. You know, I'm not, not yet qualified for this, maybe in a couple of years. And I told her, look, all the young men who I mentor, they would apply for this thing in a heartbeat. Like, you need to be as ballsy and, you know, <laughs> willing to... Uh, go after something as the men would. And she said, no one has told me that yet. Mm. Uh, And she applied for it. She's a finalist. Like, I think she's going to get it. So I think being able to hear advice in a different, just with a different background than what you normally have uh, access to is really important. So true. And I've seen it backfire in the other direction, too. I've had women come to me up at Boston Boot Camp and say, during our negotiation module, I wanted to negotiate for a raise, but my woman manager won't negotiate on my behalf. Hmm. And so these gender disparities between things like being assertive or going for that job you're not fully qualified for, perhaps, or learning on the job or all of those disparities that persist in how we behave at work can sometimes trickle down in really Hmm. troubling ways. So, you know, if we weren't reliant on one mentor's advice, but diversify our sounding board, we can get better pieces of advice and decide what to take in and what to leave out. Yeah. A a mentor is not like a spleen. Like you don't just get one and you're stuck (laughs) with it for the rest of your life. You should have, you know, think of it like a doctor, like going to get multiple opinions is a really good idea. Um, I'm in a, uh, I help mentor this one young man. There are a couple of us who all are serving that role. We talk to one another, almost like a team of coaches to help figure out like, okay, what's best for him in his career path. That's great. I also think there's a lot of emotional labor that goes into mentoring Mm -hmm. that we sometimes assume women are down for. And so if there's one female partner at the finance firm, she's probably got 400 women who are requesting coffee with her. And so it's also great to keep in mind, if you are Rachel, if you're a young woman seeking out mentorship, diversify who we're requesting that mentorship from. You're not necessarily missing out. You're going to get a different perspective. And maybe we should ask for more support from the men in our office. What a radical notion. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. So I want to talk about some of the advice that Adam Grant, who we know co-authored the book Option B, Sheryl Sandberg's second book after Lean In, with Sheryl, he's very involved with Lean In, 
He writes in his piece for LinkedIn that women are 54% less likely to have a sponsor and 24% less likely to get advice from senior leaders. Women of color are at even greater a disadvantage. So we know that sponsors, like mentors, are super important. They're the people who are going to put in a good word for you, who are going to open doors for you above and beyond just giving you advice. And he basically rattles off a list of ways that men can do more to make sure that those numbers are not so stark for women. One of which is, I thought this was really helpful, building mentor networks. Kind of like you were saying you're a coach on a team of mentors for one young man. You know, if there are men out there who are truly worried about being, you know, seen as having something other than a mentor relationship with a young woman in the office, consider having a cohort of young mentees that are coming into your office and you can give them advice all together. What else do you think that men should be doing? So I think that it's not just on a potential mentee to reach out to a mentor. If you're in a potential mentor position uh, you and you see a aspiring or a budding rock star, you should reach out to them and say, hey, I think you're doing great work. If you're interested, I'd love to help shape your career, give you some advice, help you avoid some of the mistakes I made when, you know, I was figuring this out. Uh, and then it is incredibly important for the man not to be a creep. <laughs> you don't need to be Mike Pence. Like, let's you don't need armed guards, you know, at the coffee shop. Like, totally. let's not go crazy. But I think being really respectful and understanding the inherent power dynamic that exists in a mentor ment- mentee relationship, yeah. regardless of gender is really important. Maybe so, don't invite the mentee to your hotel room. Yeah, not hotel rooms. Not Friday night drinks at 8 o'clock, right? Like, coffee on Tuesday at 11 a.m., that sort of thing. And I think that goes for men as well. Like Absolutely. That, that uh, you know, drinks Friday night at 8 o'clock just perpetuates the, there are some things that we do with young men to help build their career that we don't do with young women. I think it should be equal across the board. Totally. Also, something to think about, if you're inviting all the guys at the office out for golf or out for wings or whatever it is, make sure we're extending that invitation to the women in the office, too. Women like wings, too. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And I think at the end of the day, for mentors to keep in mind that mentees all want to feel safe is really important. And if we're having these conversations in public places that feel safe and don't feel like a date, do whatever you can do to make sure that differentiation is clear. Especially because there's a certain amount of vulnerability to go to anyone and say, hey, I don't have all the answers. I'm really worried about something as big as my future. Yeah. And I'm placing some trust in you. And so I think being a safe harbor and not a creepy harbor for right. that type of relationship to be fostered, I think is is such a great thing to do as a professional. Yeah, absolutely. And ideally, over the years, you see your mentees just kicking butt. Right. And then your network gets even more badass than it already is. So. My favorite example of that is some a young woman who I mentored, who I still keep in touch with and help her out. as, But like, she doesn't really need me anymore. Yeah. And she's now mentoring some really impressive young people as well. That's cool. Yeah. That's like the ripple effect we all want. Exactly. So what about the young professionals who are listening or even the mid-career professionals who feel like they're hitting a plateau who are saying, wait, how do I be a rock star that gets that kind of an email? Like, how on earth do I identify myself as someone in need of mentorship? How do I go about landing a mentor, especially one who doesn't share my gender identity? Mm-hmm. I think being very methodical and and spending a lot of time thinking about it, don't cast a really wide net. Identify someone and say, oh, wow, I really 
uh, admire him or her. I think their career is interesting. I read their bio and it's, I'd love to have that written about me one day. Like that's sort of, that's what you're looking for. And when you identify that person, ask them out for coffee, let them know in advance, hey, I'm looking for some career advice and I'd love to, you know, buy you a cup of coffee and talk about it. And then when you have that, don't go fully loaded in. Like, don't go in and say, oh my God, my life is a mess and I need you to fix it all. Right. right. Like that, that is <laughs> a, a lot little, of responsibility. It is. Like, the, you know, even before the coffee even gets there, don't jump into that. Really start with some simple, direct questions. One, because that makes going to make the potential mentor feel more comfortable. But two, it also helps you get a sense of, is this person the right fit for me? Right. So I think asking things like, I'm thinking about going to grad school. Do you have any advice? Were there things that you did in your career that helped prepare you for the next level? The classic question, what kind of things do you wish you would have known when you were my age? Like that sort of thing. It's easy. You can do it over a 45 minute hour long coffee. Yeah. And then at the end of that or following that, if you think, oh, wow, that person is someone I'd love to do this sort of thing and take a deeper dive more often, then I think you can go to them and make a hard ask. And this is really important, going back to our shared organizing days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hard ask is where the person being asked walks away completely understanding what they were asked. Right. So um, it can't just be, oh, I'd love to do this again one day. It has to be, Emily, I think your career is really impressive. I'd love to learn from you as I grow in my career. I'm currently looking for a mentor. Uh, I'd love it if you would consider being my mentor. Right. And that lets you walk away thinking, okay, that is what Jason is looking for. Right. And maybe even something like, can we have a phone call once a quarter? Can we, can I email you when I have questions that come up? You know, can you look over my resume? I almost think of putting them on the ladder of engagement as one might, as one might call it from our (laughs) organizer days. I like it. But sort of taking them up a notch, one notch at a time saying, okay, they already said yes. They had a coffee with me. I'm super appreciative of it. What's a concrete next step for us to ask them to do for us? Maybe it's read my resume. Right. Resume is always a great place to start. Helps them get an idea of who you are. Um, They can give you some quick advice on how to make it better. Also, I think when you're choosing somebody to be your mentor, you don't always have to choose the CEO or a VIP. One, because those people are pretty busy. Super busy, yeah. Two, they aren't always the best, right? Like, many of them are good. Not all of them are. Um, I think actually picking like a mid-level person 10, 15 years older than you, who's still growing in their career, who still can under, you know, can relate to where you're coming from. Yeah. I think that's the kind of person to go after. I'd also say, don't be afraid to pick someone who's busy. When you see that person in the office and you think, oh, wow, that's someone who is slammed. The old adage that if you want something done, give it to a busy person rings true with this. Like my schedule is packed. But the things I look forward to the most on my calendar are those check-ins with young people trying to figure out their way. That's so such a good definitely point. go after them. I've never heard that old adage, by the way. I love that. <laughs> so an organizing friend of mine, John, one of my best Obama volunteers of, you know, eight years, yeah. uh, used to say that all the time when picking who to move into leadership roles. Oh, gosh. Yeah. For my burnt out, bossed up women, they're like rolling their eyes at that. But it's, <laughs> it does feel true because... I'm a busy person. I like to get things done. Right. But so here's the other side of that. 99% of people who send that email, hey, would you get coffee with me? Won't get a response. Hmm. How do you think they should feel about that lack of response on the first email? And what should they do about it? Well, they shouldn't feel bad. That has nothing to do with them. It's on that person, just inability to respond to email, which we're all guilty of at different times. I think that if it is somebody that you are positive is, you know, you have a pre-existing relationship with, you really do want to try to make this happen, 
find a different way to communicate to them uh, and take another run at it. If it doesn't happen after that, you may want to take that as a sign. Some right. people might just feel uncomfortable. I've actually had to say to people, and I felt like it was good to be direct. Hey, I would love to. I honestly just don't have the ability to commit fully to this at this time. Can we talk again in six months? And hey, by the way, you should really talk to her or to him because I think they'd be a great fit for you. Exactly. So I think a lot of this advice is super helpful in thinking about mentors of all backgrounds, races, genders, et cetera. And it's important for us to all acknowledge and just remember that we're all pretty biased in terms of who we turn to for advice, in terms of who we turn to to mentor. We like mentoring people who remind us of a little us. And if you know the world is still predominantly run by people who happen to be very male and very pale, mm -hmm. that's going to trickle down in that regard. So I think you're absolutely right in saying it's incumbent upon both of us, both sides of this mentor relationship to think critically about diversifying those relationships. So for those of us who are ready and willing to go out there to land ourselves a new mentor, maybe even a male mentor, if our mentors in the past have all been folks who identify as women, how do you think we should go about maintaining those relationships and getting the most out of them? So I think it's really important at the beginning to set norms, especially for communications and what you're going to do. Um, I had one young man who from like day one started treating me like a crisis hotline and I was getting calls at random hours of the day. I was getting texts. At one point I had to say, hey, I know this is well-intentioned, but I'm getting more texts from you in a day than I get from my wife and my staff combined, yeah. right? Like <laughs> this is not what I signed up for and it's not actually what you need or is helping you. So setting those kind of norms in the beginning of how we're going to communicate when, how often we're going to communicate, that's crucial. Make it a recurring meeting, even if it's not a every three months on a Tuesday at 2 p.m., like just setting something in your uh, organizational system to make sure, okay, it's time for me to check in. And both parties are responsible for driving that kind of communication. Right. I think there's always some mutuality to mentor relationships that work best. Yeah. Right? This is not a lecturer-student relationship, right? This should be the mentor reaching out to the mentee, saying, hey, Rachel, we haven't talked in a while. I'd love to hear how X, Y, and Z that you were working on it how that's going and if there's anything I can do to be helpful. And then it's on if, Rachel, you haven't heard from your mentor in a while, it's on you to reach out and say, hey, I'm sure you're slammed, but I've got some things I'd love to update you on. And there's this thing I've been thinking about that I could use your advice on. Like, yeah. it's on both sides. This is a relationship totally. that goes two ways. Yeah. And it's also important for mentees to remember you're not begging for advice, right? If you've done what you're saying, Jason, which is set those clear expectations and norms, and the mentor has agreed willingly to enter into that kind of a relationship, don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel like, oh, I don't want to pester them. They're busy. Be outspoken about the help that you need and be unapologetic when you're asking for advice. And finally, be generous yourself, right? Whenever I can, I try to send a thank you note or better yet, I bring brownies maybe <laughs> to a recording session. No, like Jason just did. Or I, you know, send a box of candy or something to say that I appreciate what you're providing here. Even just a follow-up to yeah. the advice, you know, hey, you told me to tell my boss X. I did. And she thought it was a great idea, right? Like that, just that kind of feedback loop is incredibly valuable. It's so satisfying. It is. Yeah, it's it, why I do it or why you do it. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. So it's just important for us to keep in mind, you're not on this one way relationship. You're not receiving all this value and not giving any value. Make sure to keep it mutual in that regard too. I think it's also important to 
understand that it can change over time. Totally. So there's a young woman who I've known for years, have helped for years, who recently embarked on basically a what will end up being like a year-long goal. And the nature of that, it is no longer a, hey, we'll talk every couple months and we'll do that, like, tell me how your mom's doing. I'll tell you about my dog. You know, it's like, it has gotten to be where it's much more frequent communication, much shorter. It's a text saying, hey, I need your advice. When can you talk this afternoon? And then it's a quick three-minute conversation. So um, being okay with that changing. And then I think after this year's over, it might go back to let's grab coffee every couple months sort of thing. Totally. Yeah. And being not feeling guilty on either side of that relationship. Right. That's it's right. hard. You yeah. know, you didn't break up with your mentor. <laughs> right. That's right. I love this. Well, this has been such an illuminating conversation, Jason. And I'm really glad that there are great men out there who are doing this kind of work, who are carrying this emotional labor alongside women of mentoring up and coming rock star women. So keep in mind, there are a few bad apples that will make this potentially ruinous for all of us. And we can't let that happen. So women out there who haven't been reaching out to men as mentors, I want to challenge you to do that moving forward. Men who are listening, I want to challenge you to reach out in a non-creepy way as much (laughs) as possible and offer to be of support and guidance and give advice to young women rock stars on the rise. And one way that actually the women who are listening to this podcast can do more of that and can grow their power and own their voice is at an upcoming summit. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this is exciting. The United States of Women, which Emily, you and Bossed Up have been not a small, a very important, crucial (laughs) part of the growth of this movement Coming up this spring, May 5th and 6th in Los Angeles, the second big national summit is going to be held. You're going to be a part of it. We're excited to have you there. And this is going to be a big, exciting moment in organizing and empowering uh, the next generation of women leaders. Awesome. I am so excited. The last big national summit was here in D.C. There's something like 5,000 women present, and I'm so excited to continue teaming up with USOW, the United States of Women, to help galvanize women's voices and power across this country. And thank you for your efforts in making all of that possible, Jason. Well, thank you for all the work that you do with Bossed Up, with the United States of Women. You're a role model for uh, not just the men and women who you're mentoring directly, but thousands and thousands of women across the country whose lives you touch. So Aww. thank you so much you're for what you do. You're too sweet. And remember when we were all like hot messes, or at least I was as an organizer? Yeah, baby yeah. organizers. We yeah. were little baby organizers together. We Single staff state directors got to stick together. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Emily, I'm a huge fan of yours. I'm so excited you're starting your own podcast. Yay! Subscribing. So my name is Faye, and my boss move of the week to kick off Monday has been to quit my job, my horrible, oppressive job in the like totally male-dominated world, and start my own business. So... Yeah, not just a little move today. Dang, Faye, congratulations, boss. It sounds like you really took last week's episode to heart, the one with Maggie Germano all about figuring out when is it time to quit. I congratulate you and wish you a ton of courage on your journey to stepping up as your own 
boss in the most literal sense of the word. And if you want to hear where Faye's story goes from here, you're in luck. Next week, we'll be tackling the second part of Faye's voicemail that she left us. Not just the boss move of quitting her toxic job, but the career conundrum of, I started my business, now what? We're going to break down the first few steps to keep in mind when getting your own business off the ground. Now, if you like what Faye had to say, please know that your voice is always welcome on this podcast as well. Call in now and leave me a voicemail either with your boss move of the week or a career conundrum that you want me and my guests to unpack next. Give us a call now at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. And finally, all the best conversations continue after the podcast in the Bossed Up Courage community, which is free to join. And you can do so right now at bossedup.org. I want to thank you all so much for your support in launching the Bossed Up podcast into the top charts. We've been in the top 100 business podcasts globally since launching, and that is all thanks to you who left us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't already, go to the Apple Podcasts app on your phone, hit subscribe while you're there, and make sure to leave us a review, preferably if it were up to me, a five-star review while you're at it, just saying, give you a sense of where we're going. If you've enjoyed this podcast, know that every single time you leave us a good review, you increase the odds of someone else stumbling upon this community. All right, boss, thanks so much for tuning in. Keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose and together, let's lift as we climb. Let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Jahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men, and it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are 
owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup.